Come and dream with me. Hello and welcome to What Do You Want to Watch, the Explosion Network's premier media podcast. Every fortnight we get together to talk about movies, TV and online content and mourn the loss of the last blockbuster in Australia. I'm your host, Ashley Hobley, and joining me today is Dylan Blatt. That joke went over my head, I don't get it. It's not a joke, it's a sad moment. What is the last blockbuster in Australian history? The last it blockbuster is. video store. Yeah. <gasps> oh, where is it? I didn't it was. read the news story. Well, it's not it anywhere now. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Also, d- uh, Nicholas Pryor. <laughs> that joke in. did not go over my head because I keep up with current events. Yeah. Jeez. Sorry. It's like he's not even on so- social media or something. Didn't see all the no. posts yeah. about. Bloody hell. Sorry. I thought it was Very in America. Strange. I thought it was in America. I didn't bother reading it. <laughs> no, there's only one blockbuster <laughs> that, 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 left that, in the that's world. That's why I said the last in blockbuster in Australia. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Sorry, everyone. All right. We got a lot to cover today, so let's jump into what's in our watch your tree. Uh, first up, me and Dylan are both seeing Captain Marvel. If you go over to youtube.com slash explosion network, you can check out our spoiler-filled review. But Dylan, do you want to just give people your in general impressions? It's a perfectly fine Marvel movie in which you get introduced to Captain Marvel. She's, I feel she's somewhat rushed. I would have preferred to have two movies before we got her in uh, Endgame. But overall, it's just... I mean, if you like Marvel movies, it's its a Marvel movie. And make sure you see it at the cinema because you're not going to get a fucking chance before Endwall comes out. That's well, Yeah, that's enough of a very well, good I was going to bring it's up like- that. <laughs> Do people need to see this before Endgame? No. You, okay. Well, if you, are we drawing a line at, do you really need to see this before seeing Endgame? The answer is no. Will it help you to see this before Endgame, but it's not 100% a requirement? Yes, because you'll have some, you'll have backstory of that character, backstory of her relationship with Fury, if that becomes a uh, part of the story going into Endgame. But whether or not that's actually going to be necessary is up in there because obviously there's like 20 years or whatever it is between Captain Marvel and this movie and we talked about it in our spoiler review discussion she could potentially come back as a very different character which would make sense because there's so many years between when we actually see her in that movie and this one and obviously people change and she's probably gone through some shit who who fucking knows Fury of course is a completely different character in uh, Captain Marvel uh, to what we're actually used to because he's a changed person by the time we actually see him in Iron Man compared to Captain Marvel. Basically two very different characters. He's a lot more fun and less serious in Captain Marvel. It's before he's seen some shit. So Captain Marvel could come down in Endgame and be a, a much more hardened or le- less hardened. I don't I don't know. It could go either way. So then it's like, well, if the character's going to be different anyway, do you need to see it before Endgame? Probably not. So, yeah. Okay, counterpoint. Do you think you need to have seen Black Panther before you saw uh, Infinity War? Uh, yes, because that's where the last fight takes place. And uh, But uh, sh- when uh, you went out of Black Panther, did you think, oh, people need to see this? No. Okay. So we so won't I, know I, till after Endgame whether yeah. you need to see So it's like, if you ask me, but- I think Black Panther is kind of different because you get introduced to him in Civil War too. That's true. Yeah. But if you if you'd asked me before Infinity War, do I need to watch Black Panther for an Infinity, Infinity War, do you think? I'm not sure. I might have said yes solely because we'd, because we'd already seen actual footage of it in uh, the trailers and stuff. We'd seen where it, it took place. 
Like we, we knew it was going to uh, Black Panther's home. Wakanda was going to be a big part of Infinity War. Whereas there's nothing in that we know about Cap, uh, Endgame that leads you to believe Captain Marvel's really going to be a big part of it. None of the trailers have her in it, of course. Yep. Yeah. Well, yet. Yeah, they'll probably put out one more and include her in it. So we'll see. Uh, I, I think I like the movie a bit more than you, I think, also. Yeah, it was kind of odd how the story didn't really let you get much of a... Di- dive into the character of Captain Marvel, obviously. If Always the Ever is 20 years later after the events, um, it'll be... We could have a completely different character. But yeah, I thought they made some interesting changes to the Marvel Marvel comics uh, that played out well. Uh, Nick Fury, uh, Samuel L. Jackson looked incredible. Uh, he looked like he was back in the 90s. Uh, except when he was running. If <laughs> Then he looked like an old person. But they they left they kept that down to a, a so minimum. it looked like Die Hard with a Vengeance, Nick, uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, I mean they could have used a yeah. body double for him running around. Yeah, he does his own stunts. Yeah, okay. And by stunts at that age, it means running. <laughs> yeah, and then the other other thing, soundtrack not that impressive. I don't think. Oh, good soundtrack utilized poorly, with one in particular song that's caught the ire of a number of people that I've seen around the internet so it's less the song and more the scene and how it's worked in i think yeah uh but it is now apparently the big one of the biggest opening weekends for a marvel film uh raking in worldwide already at the time of recording 490 million dollars so probably doing better than the doctor strange numbers that we predicted <laughs> at the end of it Probably partly because it's the, in the prelude to Endgame. I assume people want mm-hmm. to be caught up as soon as possible because there is no, like we discussed, there's no chance for them to see it on home video uh, before. Yeah. before. Not, and then- not only that, it's also not much as else is out at this time. The movies that's similar like it at blockbuster level. That's true. This is the first, arguably the first blockbuster movie of the year. I can't think off the top of my head of anything. When did Aquaman come out? December. Yeah. So it's been it's been a couple of months. But yeah. Again, check it out our ex- spoiler discussion over at youtube.com slash explosion network or on review discussions by Explosion Network on podcast services. Uh also out this week was the first episode of American Gods that you and uh Dylan saw. Which you talked about on Viewing Gods, which you can find at explosionnetwork.com slash explosion... No, youtube.com slash explosion network. Or at Viewing Gods on all good podcast services. Uh, Do you guys want to give your initial impressions of the premiere episode of season two? It was really good. It allayed all my fears that I had going into it with the background drama going on behind it. If you really didn't know anything about it, you probably wouldn't know anything had changed. Yeah. Which is funny because we did a an episode leading into the, the, the week before the episode dropped and we talked about behind the scenes stuff and a lot of it Nick wasn't actually aware of and I'm like talking about all these behind the scenes issues that he wasn't oh. aware of. And so he's like he, his fears more more only worried. lasted for one week. Yeah. Well, no, I, I knew I knew the, a little bit. Show, the showrunners had changed hands, but I didn't know the actual depth of all the drama it had gotten to. On set reports yeah. of arguments and behind the scenes stuff and all, all these sorts of things. It, it has a heated behind the scenes 
dra- drama history at the moment. Uh, but yeah, I I too like the the premiere. We talk about it in viewing golds that it's definitely it, it feels like someone's kind of copying the style because they they kind of have to. It's different showrunners, and they're obviously trying to keep it in the same style as the the show to keep it the same throughout and the the style that people got attached to in the first place. But you can tell. I think fairly easily that it's someone doing a mimicking job, but it's a mimicking job that's fine. Like judging off the first episode, I'm like, it's fine. I'm I'm willing to watch more of this. And the reason to watch that show a lot of the time is because the actors on it are so good and the characters are so good and interesting. So and actors playing those characters are carrying them through the show, even if there's a little bit of drama behind the scenes and the cinematography and the driving force between the show isn't as good as the people we lost. Mm. I say like they died, they got fired, but that's <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. And also, if you're interested in checking out, I think you could reliably get into season two from the get-go and not have watched season one. I don't think you'd be that lost because they do go a little bit expo- exposition-y. So I think you can catch up pretty quickly. All right, jumping onto something we discussed that we would talk about last episode, I caught up on all eight, ten episodes, videos, no, twelve videos from Jablinski Games. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you don't know, this is uh, Jack Black's video uh, YouTube channel, gaming channel. Uh, Gaming in quotation marks. (laughs) Yeah, he's currently got almost four million subscribers. Uh, started two months ago. Only just started gaming. The last you finally got that Delgado. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he technically was gaming pretty much the whole time, but just not modern gaming. It was more like arcades and that's true and shit like that. Well, the first couple of episodes are very short with him mm. not playing any games. But yeah, what what do you think then, Ash? Because I think considering me and Nick's kind of hints. Uh, like how we reacted, we we obviously like it. Yeah, it's what I expected. Jack Black going kind of zany, being <laughs> yeah. Jack Blacky. Jack Black being Jack Black. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I I think I enjoyed him not playing games more than I liked him playing games. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, he's only done two with where he's playing games, so be interesting to see where he goes from there. And they could use a little bit more editing, I guess. Play longer stretches yeah. and then edit it down a bit more. Especially yeah. the the brutal legend one wasn't very. It was interesting because he plays obviously plays that role in the game, and there's an insight. But other than that, it wasn't like funny or anything too much. No, in my opinion. Yeah, I I didn't like that one either. I yeah. I like him when he's not. I I didn't mind the Karen Gillan thing because he's like talking to her at the same yeah. time and doing a a kind of half interview i guess and it's only a, a short segment of that video but the the full episode of him gaming was the the worst so far and i don't think i bothered finishing i turned it off but what i want is just jack black being jack black getting around and, and being cool because from all all points that you can gather from watching it it's like oh jack jack black's a celebrity and all but he comes across as a very mellow kind of chill dude and people obviously attach themselves to that when they you see a celebrity or whatever and you're like oh, they're just like us or whatever and he seems like a nice guy yeah. and, and whatever but yeah he, he's fun you get to see a little bit of behind the scenes stuff happening at the moment with uh, the recording of uh, the mean, jungle book four and what uh no uh, what's it called jumanji jumanji, jumanji four because <laughs> there jumanji was four. <laughs> yeah 
Everyone forgets the Favreau. I, I, I think it'll go through phases, like when he's away working, doing movies, because originally it was a vehicle kind of way to him bond with his children a bit more. That's yeah, that's what I gathered. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what. So I, I think when he gets, has time to spend, they look super more time to spend. interested in it. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're very good well, actors. If it's not, if they're if they're not into well, it, from what yeah. I gathered, the kid was wanting to edit it or whatever. Yeah. Oh, okay. So. Uh, I don't. And that's the one who hates being on camera. So, oh, okay. But, I mean, it's it's like if you if you're interested in Jack Black, it's fun to watch. If you're interested in behind the scenes of some movie stuff with actors and whatever, at the moment it's going to be good for, to watch because, as I just said, the last episode I had Karen Gillan on. Maybe he'll have the Rock on in the in the future. Surely, at some point. that video will get okay. a million trillion views. I'm sure if it's got the Rock in the title, of course. So yeah, I, I think it's it's on at the moment is the only YouTube channel I get excited about Saturday when I know a video is going to drop because I'm excited it to is watch only once a, a week as well week. unlike yeah. most yeah. YouTube Particular. channels yeah crazy easy digestible alright let's get into some more substantial stuff I guess uh, Nick you watched The Thing this week or last week last week yeah yeah I did <laughs> what'd you think you- I had seen it before, yeah, yeah, I really enjoy it. It had been a while and I felt like a kind of <sighs> creepy, I guess, body horror kind of Lovecraftian type thing and I watched that and yeah, still holds up. Stacey didn't like it at all, but you know, I didn't yeah. watch it for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you put up with so much of her stuff, I guess. Yeah. That's fair. It's total, yeah. Marriage is compromised. Wouldn't know. Uh, <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dylan, you watched the first Purge, the fourth Purge movie. Yeah, I'm finally up to date on all the Purges, apart from TV show. So uh, it was more of the Purge, which made it a average. You know, it's it's like, hey, do you like the Purge movies? Then you'll enjoy this one because it's just more of the Purge type stuff. But at this point within them, they're not really scary or, or whatever anymore and they're not it didn't do anything particularly new with the story or anything fascinating with it which is kind of odd because you'd think they'd have the opportunity to do something not totally different but like different enough like it being the first one first one yeah yeah. i think it's because all of the stuff that we kind of knew about how the government gets the purge to happen in the first place they've hinted at and had details about in other movies so when they reveal like when the big it's not really even a twist. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just a thing happens and how they get it to happen. And you're like, yeah, that's, uh, you kind of expect it. It's not as shocking compared to maybe if this was the sequel to the first one. And then it would have been a lot more because you wouldn't have had as much backstory happening. But yeah, it's just, hey, do you like the Purge franchise? Then you'll enjoy watching this. I wouldn't yeah. suggest starting with this one at all because it's called the first one. I would still watch them in the proper order because by the time you get to this one, it kind of expects you to understand what a lot of, the backstory stuff about the founding fathers and all this sort of stuff that's happening in the, the purge law. But I enjoy all of the purge movies. I'm not saying they're all fantastic movies. I'd probably only give this like a six or a five or something. Uh, but at the same time, because I'm a fan of the franchise and the, the universe of the purge, it's yeah, even though I'd give it a lower score, it's just fun to watch in the background kind of thing while you're doing something else at the same time. I never thought, do you know the answer is the Purge TV show connected or is it its own? Yeah, yeah it's the thing? same dude that did it that does the okay, right. other stuff. So, so it's, it's, it's canon. Purge yeah. universe, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so I watched Arrival. 
and I wasn't prepared. Uh, the Dennis Villeneuve film uh, from 2016, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Starring Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker. Uh, yeah. Uh, following a linguist enlist who's enlisted by the US Army to discover how to communicate with aliens who arrived on Earth before tensions lead to war. Uh, it went in directions I didn't expect. And... Can you say without spoilers? Because I'm... I'm- Shocked that you didn't have any idea about what the movie was or where it went. No, I knew I knew it was aliens and stuff, but uh, obviously how they communicate was really interesting and a okay. different different to anything I'd seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did you then, expect a more typical like Independence Day type alien movie or something? Sort of, maybe, yeah, that okay. sort of thing. And then there is a twist regarding the flashbacks. Yep. That I didn't see coming. I yeah. <laughs> I sh- in hindsight, I'm like, why didn't I think of that? So, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really put to good, good, well put together. And uh, definitely have to check out more Villeneuve stuff now, I think. Uh, especially with him working on June coming yep. up as well. He, so You're going to watch Blade Runner? Yeah, I've already watched Blade. Oh, have you? 2049, yeah. Uh, yeah. Come on, Nick. Uh, but yeah. Good just in hindsight, should have won Best Picture. I guess no, I don't. I don't remember I, what it was up against. What what did win? Uh, I think that was the La La Land slash, uh, Moonlight Year. I found yes. it personally a little bit underwhelming. What what were your expectations like though? I don't know, but I don't know. I just felt unsatisfied towards the end of how it all turned out. It happened, I, I guess. guess. Like, I, did, I enjoyed it. I think it did interesting things, but in the end, I wasn't completely satisfied with it. Cool. No, that's fair. I could I could see people going to that and then being, ugh, it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go or be the type of movie I wanted it to be. But, yeah. Uh, Dylan, you also saw one of the films of last year that I kind of want to still want to see uh, that got a fair bit of buzz, uh, Searching. Oh yeah, that was really good. I it was honestly a lot better than I thought it would be. And I remember liking the trailer and thinking it looked interesting, but I was kind of waiting for it to do what I often find with like because it starts and I'm really enjoying it, and I was kind of waiting for it to fuck up the the ending, you know? Because I feel like a lot of horror movies or thriller movies where they set up and you're waiting for the big twist or you know because you know there's going to be a twist or something that's going to happen, um, they usually don't land it and then it kind of. That doesn't ruin everything before it, but obviously doesn't stick the the landing on it. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a really good, interesting thriller. Uh, if you don't know what it is, it's 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 interesting because it's all told through uh, webcams and stuff constantly, like with people looking at computers or looking at laptops and th- these sorts of things. And it follows uh, what's his name, John Cho? Is that his yep. name? I think yeah. Uh, John Cho plays the father of this girl. The girl goes missing. He's uh, just disappears randomly one morning and then it follows him and you get to follow his case of trying to find his daughter like interactions with the police these sorts of things but it's a really well told thriller uh, it's well acted he's really quite good in it and then the, the gimmicky aspect of it all being told through these webcams and stuff doesn't detract from the movie at all and I actually thought it was done really well where you can see him you know, typing into Facebook or whatever, like going through people's messages and these sorts of things and contacting people. It's, yeah, it kind of keeps you glued to the screen 
even though you think you might turn off because it's just a static kind of webcam thing on a, happening. But yeah, it's it was really, really good, I thought. Uh, what do you think of that style, the in-screen, on-computer-screen style? It's the general? first one I think I've watched because I've never watched Unfriended. No. So... I, I thought it worked in this. Maybe I've had Unfriended on my Netflix or Stan or something list for quite some time and I still haven't watched it. I might watch it soon because I enjoyed this and then maybe I'll watch Unfriended and be like, nah, they, they fucked it up whereas Searching did it better. But I feel like like any sort of gimmicky thing, you can do it well or do it bad. Yeah. It just depends on how you, you do it. Yeah. The closest thing I can think of, I saw an episode of Modern Family where they were sponsored by Apple and they did an episode <laughs> where it was just on an Apple screen. So, oh. yeah. Uh, interesting I think uh, there are a few other movies in the works that are taking this gimmick as well so new subgenre, yay <laughs> uh, uh, Nick you went and saw Mo- you saw Monster this past fortnight I did what'd you think I think that Sharice Theron put on an amazing performance and I think all their um, and the supporting actor I forget her name, but she put in a great performance. But I think the story around it and the movie film around it wasn't that great. So it's I'll, a true story. So you can't it really is a true story. No, <laughs> but, but I don't know. It's I Christina think, Ricci, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they focused on. I don't know. Like I felt like they focused too much on their relationship as opposed to the killings as well. I don't know. It's just, it felt slow for me and the, I don't know, just the interactions between them weren't terrific. But yeah, like amazing performances, but the film itself around it just, yeah, I didn't really overly enjoy it. Oh, interesting. I haven't watched it for quite some time, but I remember, I really enjoy it and I think it's, performances stand out and i remember when they announced patty jenkins was doing wonder woman my first thought was oh the woman who directed monster is directing wonder woman let's see how this goes like <laughs> so that's yeah uh yeah different different scales or different mm. tone <laughs> uh dylan you also watched the recent pokemon movie the power of us how was that it was as far as I'm concerned, I saw, it's interesting because obviously I, I've, I haven't watched a Pokemon movie in quite some time. Animation was good. It was very colourful and it it stood out from the TV show. So it's got like that movie quality to it, which I obviously enjoy because if it looks exactly like that TV show, you're like, uh, like put a little bit more effort into it because it is a movie. Uh, so it's quite pretty to look at. The story was uh, a lot smaller scale than usually what Pokemon movies are like, which I enjoy. It doesn't have like some gigantic legendary Pokemon shop. And then the whole movie becomes about that. It's it kind of is just it's, it's it's like a lot of just character interaction stuff, and then a natural disaster. That's not a natural, but a disaster kind of occurs, and then they have to all work together to save this town from a potential like fire happening around them and these sorts of things. So it was a lot smaller sc- story, and I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Uh, I watched a small indie movie called Miss Stevens from 2016, starring. Lily Rabe uh, and Tim- Timothy Chalamet and Lily Reinhardt. Uh, just the story of a high school English teacher who has to take three students on a weekend trip to a drama competition. It's a fine, sweet movie. Uh, I think probably Lily Reinhardt, obviously from Riverdale, and Tim- Timothy Chalamet being the it star of Hollywood at the moment sort of elevates it in people's interest a bit. Uh, Timothy Chalamet is really good in this, though. Yeah. 
obviously, yeah, pretty elevates the material, I think. So, yeah. On Netflix, it's worth just a sweet, sweet-ish sort of movie. Yeah. It, it kind of weird, you know, the student-teacher relationship can be a bit irky now, I think. So, but yeah, it was all good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick, you watched Home Alone 3. Yes, I did. Why? Because <laughs> when you I could have watched this- the superior Home Alone 2. Mm, I, it may be a better movie, but I don't have the attachment to it as I do Home Alone 3 because growing up, I used to watch Home Alone 3 a lot and I really, it's not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, I enjoyed it. And it's kind of like comfort food, I guess. Yeah. To chuck it on and just, just sit back and enjoy it. I mean, it, it is what it is. It's like a directed video Home Alone sequel with. No, it was definitely silicon. cinemas. I do remember seeing it was? Home Alone 3 in cinemas. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Well, it feels very director video, but. um, It probably should have been. Yeah. 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 But uh, it has Scarlett Johansson in it which I did not realise yeah. until I watched it this time. But, yeah. It's, which is like the sister, right? Yeah, she is. One of the, the older sister. But, yeah, it's this very the exact same premise, kind of like... It's a bit more like... It's a, a computer chip's been stolen from the Air Force and somehow ends up in the kid's house and criminals come and try and take it. But it's like the same kind of premise, just a kid at home sick. No one believes him. Putting on traps for the... Uh, criminals and yeah yeah i mean who doesn't enjoy seeing robbers get theirs by little exactly. kid with traps yeah yeah it's a vengeance film <laughs> okay dylan the last episode of true detective came out the past fortnight yep. finished season uh, two impressions or season three yeah that's one sorry season three yeah yeah so, the second one yes, didn't, i didn't exist we kind of forget about it so then we just re re on this the season two yeah i um i really enjoyed it i i think it's it's kind of funny looking back back on it and obviously without spoilers that i think it starts out in a certain direction i think it's going more in line with same sort of story that season one told and then it kind of does a lot of cool swerves and stuff all over the place and by the time you finish up the 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 season it's in a, a, a lot different direction than I thought it would have actually gone given where it, it starts out and the performances are really great Maharshali's is uh, fantastic in it especially because you can see him I, I really enjoy because he plays three different uh gen- well what would you refer to it as he plays the three different ages of the same character like over different time periods like the 70s 90s and then like to current day like 2018-ish or whatever that's supposed to be um old man married with kid and then like when that case is actually happening in the 70s and even though it constantly always feels like the same character when he's playing the 90s version you can tell it's he's a little bit more pissed off and harder because what's happened with the case and he's got the family life happening and then when he's an old man he plays the old man really well with this guy who's like approaching the end of his life and he's he's starting to like he forgets things constantly and uh, he, he plays that really well and that's a really prominent part of the story really by the time it comes to the end of it all it's really about this old man more so than anything just kind of wanting to finish up his life 
somehow is uh, someone a character who's felt lost his entire life so it, i i really enjoyed my only, my only negative is and i can't remember his fucking name so i should have brought it up but the um the dude who plays his partner is really good but he's constantly only really good when he's not on screen with Marsh Ali. Whenever Mahasha Ali is on screen, he basically is owning the screen. Like script wise, he gets given a lot of what's happening and stuff. And then that other guy whose name I is it Vicky fucking... Morganstein? No, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> Stephen Dorff. Is I found it. Stephen Dorff when he does scenes without Mahasha Ali, he's really really good. And there's a couple standout scenes. Uh, he does without him that are good for his character and also as an actor that I really enjoyed which made me kind of wish that I got more of him because he was a character that also has a lot going on obviously because of the case and what happens throughout the series and stuff but he never got really enough time to grow as a character himself especially when you compare it to uh rust and cole from season one where i felt like both of those characters interacted well together but then also when they were apart got their own solo stories and you'd see them grow uh by themselves be it with their family and whatever else is happening uh, with woody harrison's character and then uh fucking matthew mahonohay just over in his hotel room just umming and ahhing about monologuing and whatever else he did in first season but yeah i just feel like he didn't get enough solo character development and he got snubbed a little bit but yeah overall i'd say if you enjoyed season one you should enjoy this if you hated season two give this one a go and if you like season two well you'd like anything so that's <laughs> <laughs> that's All true right. detective season three <laughs> uh so this past fortnight both me and dylan have watched a bunch of documentaries by happenstance uh so i'll go first with i went to the cinema and saw f- a screening of a uh, free solo the Academy Award-winning documentary uh, following Climber, free solo Climber Alex Honlin, Honold, Honold, on his Got quest, him. nailed it, uh, on his quest to perform a free solo climb of El Capitan, which is a huge rock formation in uh, Yosemite, uh, Yosemite National, Park. National Park over in America. Uh, apparently, it is three thousand feet from base to summit. So about 900 meters tall. Uh, this is incredible. Just the way, just it opens on this incredible shot of like from above of him climbing without a rope, obviously. And like you, you can feel the, I think if scary you had to watch? vertigo, I think if you had yeah. height problems, you might. It sounds like one of those documentaries that they show at IMAX every now and again. They should show it on IMAX. It would look incredible on it. Um, would it give you a heart attack though? No, obviously I could tell I was in a cinema, but yeah, it looks incredible. Just the, the, how this was made is pretty incredible because obviously all the, they had to, the camera crew had to be climbing on the, on Mount El Capitan as well to get the shots. Drones, Uh, man. There are some drone shots, some pretty cool drone shots as well, but there was a lot of them being like, uh, and it's just put together very well. Obviously it helps that his uh, planning. He does a lot of planning before he does this. He does doesn't go and uh, wing it, I guess. So he does a bunch of test runs. So you sort of get an idea as the movie goes along how he's going to go through it and what obstacles he's going to face and how threatening it is. Because you see him fall off, obviously with a like a rope and stuff. Um, also, he just gets into sort of a, like a relationship beforehand, and he's like a very interesting character of himself. Uh, like a very, uh, not 
a normal person, I guess. Like, you know, he's not like a regular person. He's been living in his van for the last eight years. Throughout the whole entire movie, I don't think he eats several times. I don't think I ever saw him use a plate or any utensils other than a spatula. Uh, he's eating out of pans a lot. Um, yeah, definitely worth seeing in the cinema. Uh, I think you will lose a little bit watching it at home, but it's still incredibly yeah. shot. Apparently, the hardest thing for them was doing the sound. Because obviously the mics they had were so far yeah. away from him when he was climbing up. Uh, it was difficult to get sound, but apparently they got some special microphone equipment as well. Uh, yeah. And just see- seeing the crew as well struggle with it because he could totally have died doing that while they were filming. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just seeing the anguish when he actually goes up for that That's final a different time. movie. Different it movie would completely. be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, free solo. Uh, Dylan, you watched Abducted in Plain Sight. <laughs> Yeah, it's been getting a lot of buzz recently, even though I think it's a reasonably old film, like a couple of years now. I think it's a couple of years or something. Yeah, Uh, I can't remember the girl's name, but it it tells the story of this little girl who's abducted uh, a couple times. uh, Spoilers, but a couple times by the exact same person. And the the part that makes it so fucked up is the person who abducts her and the reason it's called abducted in plain, plain sight is because it's a family friend like someone they thought they trusted and all these sorts of things and seeing it all play out what leads to it how it w- works and then the kind of warp he has on this girl because he basically tricks her into like wanting to be with him like really kind of fucks with her mind uh, it's I, I would find it it would definitely be hard for a lot of people to watch, I guess, because it is obviously quite fucked up how far he goes with her and like mentally and physically. So uh, it's an interesting story, I suppose. It's a dark story for sure. And uh, he, how it ends is like, okay, yeah, I'm kind of glad it got there, I guess. But uh, yeah, at one stage I was kind of just staring at the screen. You could tell if someone walked in, I would have had like full scrunchy face on because does saying like something and I was just like, oh, this is aggra-. like, it's just like, oh, this is aggravating me just hearing what's kind of happening. So, but yeah, if you're into that, <laughs> I guess it's an interesting one to watch. Cool. Uh, so I also watched a documentary called Dear Mr. Waterston, which is sort of a love letter to Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, of course, uh, so Mr. Waterston uh, obviously is a bit of a recluse. It doesn't talk. Bill Quarterston, mm-hmm. that's his name. Uh, he he doesn't he doesn't do much interviews, and obviously, he doesn't hasn't done any merchandise or commercialized Calvin and Hobbes. So it's mostly a bunch of interviews about with people about how those cartoon strips sort of affected them, and then the history of Calvin and Hobbes to the medium, and how the comic strip medium sort of dying off. Uh, I thought it was a really interesting uh, take. Obviously, Calvin Hobbes I think is a big thing in everybody's childhood. So, yeah. A bit of an interesting watch available on Amazon Prime. Uh, Dylan, you also watched Get Me Roger Stoned. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah? I, I didn't know anything... Well, I knew who Roger Stone was, because he's. I know like he's what crowd and circle he floated in, but I didn't really know anything about him or what exactly he did. And if you don't know, he's basically like... A lot of people say he was the kind of the the puppet behind the strings of what got Trump elected. He was basically 
running that campaign for a period of time until uh, he he fired him kind of once Trump was on the trajectory path and Roger Stone has always kind of been and they set this up at the start of the movie it's like Roger Stone just shows up at big moments in history and they show him with all these presidents and stuff he's always been someone who's has his hand in a lot of big political things throughout American history um and he's a he hangs around with Alex Jones a lot and you see that in this which obviously kind of says a lot about the kind of person he is but he also, they, I mean, he's in it. They have interviews of Trump. They have interviews of Roger Stone. It's not like one of these documentaries where they're making it uh, and the people, but the people don't want to be in it. It's like, he's he's in it. They, they're with him a lot and all these sorts of things, but it's not biased, I'd say, but it's not swinging either way. They're just kind of telling it how it is. But then it also, the movie ends, I think, the person behind the camera like asked the question like uh for those who are going to probably he says for those who are probably going to be watching this documentary and it's going to be ending and they're probably going to be hating you what do you have to say to them and he's like good i hope you hate because if you didn't hate me i wouldn't be where i am today and it kind of just ends there so says a lot about the person he is because he's you know he says a quote about to rather be infamous than not famous at all which i suppose sums him up a little bit as well he's a interesting person uh, definitely not someone you'd, I'd want to personally hang around with, but definitely makes for an interesting documentary about someone to, to learn about, someone that exists out there still rubbing shoulders with lots of influential uh, American politicians and such. Cool. Uh, so I also watched another Academy Award nominated film from this year, uh, Minding the Gap. Uh, it's pretty much starts off as meant to sort of these three friends who are like really into skating and sort of follows their lives for a few years and how they sort of grow up and uh, sort of possibly grow apart, I guess. Uh, but it delves much deeper than just that surface level skater movie, which I think might put off a lot of people. If you see just the skating part of that um, goes into like domestic abuse, uh, uh, different racial issues, uh, eco, uh, like, they obviously live in a very poor part of Chicago and how that sort of affected their lives and that sort of thing. So yeah, definitely delves a lot deeper than what they originally intended possibly it being, mm-hmm. but yeah, very good watch. Uh, it is currently available on doc play, which is a sort of documentary streaming service in Australia. Is that a real by- thing? What the fuck? I've never heard of yeah, this. Apparently it's funded by screen Australia or partnered with screen Australia. Oh, I think okay. it might be like a madman thing as yeah, well. Yeah, because when you start talking about it, I was like, how have you watched this? Because I want to yeah. watch this movie. I just I saw didn't an know article it... saying it was available for streaming now, so. Okay, I'll have to check, check that it out then. Free- is it an app? It. Uh, I think you can get an app, but not like on the PlayStation Store or anything, so. Uh, I'll look into it because I want to yeah. watch it. Yeah, worth your six ninety or free month trial. So, a bunch of other documentaries <laughs> on there that I might be talking about in a couple of weeks. Uh, and you also watched Behind the Curve, Dylan. This is the Flat <laughs> yeah. Earthers documentary, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the Flat Earthers one. I, this this fell into my category of do I even bother giving me this giving this movie the time because I'm like I don't even know if the subject matter was worthy of them doing a, a documentary about. But I, I saw a lot of people talking about it on Twitter and said it was um, amusing, slash interesting, and whatever. And it is to a degree, but then by the end of it, I did kind of reach the point of why are we even giving them a platform to kind of sell their, potentially sell their me- their message of absurdity to more people, even though the movie is 
very much always framed as these people are crazy. It, it's never like trying to tell you they're not. It's kind of makes it very obvious that they're they're crazy. But then I'm like, well, guarantee at least one person or more is going to watch this and be like, oh, actually, I believe everything they're saying. It's it makes so much sense. But it, it also starts out and it kind of builds them up to be more evil characters as well, because it starts out. Oh, you know, what it a introduces shame. you to it. Well, it introduces you to them all and. You're like, oh yeah, they seem like nice people and and whatever else. They're just a little bit loopy and they think the Earth's flat, sure, whatever. But then I think about twenty minutes, half an hour into it, half an hour into it, they suddenly then be like, okay, so what other things do these people believe in? And it's like, okay, they're anti-vaxxers. Okay, they didn't believe that this bombing didn't happen. Okay, they didn't believe this thing happened. The moon landing probably did. You know what I mean? They're just completely. Uh, they're all pretty much in the mindset of, well, unless I was there and I saw it with my own eyes, it definitely didn't happen. And the American government is always constantly lying to us. Nothing you can read in the paper, you can trust. Nothing that you can read in anything would ever happen. You know, like they they suddenly reveal that they're nutcases that just won't believe anything and everything is a conspiracy. Uh, I will spoil... Uh, fuck it. All right. If you, skip ahead to 30 seconds if you c- care so much about how this movie ends, because I'm not going to not talk about it and not say how the movie ends. Just skip ahead to the mandatory Netflix segment. Yeah, just skip notes. ahead a whole 30 seconds or whatever. But the best part about watching this, and the only reason to watch it is just th- so you can get to the ending where they, they're building up. We're like, we're going, they're going to do this test. They're going to do this test where they're going to put a pole or something in a, an ocean or at a certain point in, the, in an ocean where the earth is supposed to bend. And they're going to put it down there and then like so f- much further along the path, they're going to put down another pole. And they're like, we're going to shine a, a light beam and it's, not, and it's going to hit this point because it'll prove that the earth's flat. And then they record them doing it and then it doesn't. And the guys just literally go, uh, 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 oh, that's... That's weird. And then the movie just kind of ends there with them finding out what, what's wrong. And then the credits start playing. And then it cuts to one of their YouTube videos because they're all YouTubers and do that's how they spread their message, of course, on, on YouTube. And it's like, well, there could have been like something wrong. The water, the, the light beam could have been bouncing off stuff. And, you know, so it's no matter what, even they get, even if they get it proved wrong, they're just going to continue going on and on and on. You could, it doesn't really matter how much proof you give them. Absolute fucking nutcases. Would I suggest watching it? No, not really. I mean, it's it's not that interesting, but not I, I, I was. I would honestly just look for a YouTube video that has the funniest scenes if you want to watch it because it's like an hour and a half, and a lot of it's just nonsense. It's hard to listen to. Well, I found it hard to listen to because I'm like, you are fucking crazy. Do you understand what you're saying right now? You are yeah. nuts. Yep. All right. Let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment. Uh, and another documentary series that I watched uh, is called Formula One Drive to Survive. Pretty much sort of follows the 2018 Formula One season. I'm sure you both are riveted by Formula One. I watched the trailer for this other week. Uh, yeah. It was only good when Michael Schumacher raced. Arguable. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was pretty solid. It was interesting to sort of delve into a lot of the drivers that are probably you just see right going around in there. F1 cars. Um, reinforce that Daniel Ricciardo was a great dude. Really nice bloke. And that uh, Sebastian... Ve- no. Who was the... Who's his partner? Doesn't matter. The other Red Bull driver <laughs> is a bit of a dick. A lot of dicks in this, actually. Um, the only problem with it is they obviously didn't get the rights or 
to get any interview or footage from uh, the teams from Mercedes or Ferrari because they don't feature it all other than like obvious podium shots of them winning every single race, which is a bit of an issue seeing as they win constantly throughout the season. So there's a bit of a hole, but I guess it is a bit interesting to sort of focus on the like lower league or lower ranked teams. Um, yeah. So if you're into Formula One, worth checking out, especially in the lead up to the Australian Grand Prix this weekend of episodes release. Uh, Dylan, I saw you caught up on the Umbrella Academy. I did. I watched it all. Did you love it as much as I did? I can't really remember. What, what I, liked would you rate? I liked it a lot. I remember you liked it, but I don't know how much you... I, I think I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the middle section more than the start or the finish, is how I'll describe it. I thought the first, epi- the first episode I wasn't that much of a fan of, and I kind of pushed through it because I, there was a lot of potential shown there, but... If I had to judge it solely for the first episode, I would have been like, this is like, where the fuck are we going? Because the first episode just introduces you to a bunch of characters and stuff. But by the time it ends, it's like, what's the, like, where are we going with this? What's the, really the story we can't tell? I, I, I didn't, it didn't hook me. Like, it didn't hook me the way I, I, I think the first episode of a TV show should. And I think the first episode of a TV show it should always kind of- ends with the apocalypse. Not really. It takes, like, ages to get there and- that's I, I the end of the episode. Yeah, but uh, it's like an hour, over an hour or something like that. It takes fucking forever to get there. you got to introduce the, the world. Yeah, I know, but I, I don't know. I, I just felt it was a very yeah. slow meandering yeah. episode, and it took a long time to introduce a, lo- a lot of different elements. Once it gets going, so episodes two through... How, how many episodes are there? Ten. So I'd say episode two through eight, I enjoyed. The ones I enjoyed the most are the ones to do with... Uh, well, my favorite character is uh, Robert uh, Sheeran, whatever he's Robert Sheeran's Klaus. Is Klaus, yes. Klaus is the best character in the series, and they should spin off and do a series about him because he's the most interesting <laughs> character in, in the show. In fact, I was kind of annoyed at one point where they didn't go a bit more into a certain thing that happens to him midway through the series, which I found the most fascinating part. But uh, he's my favorite character. A lot of fun. Really, really enjoyed him. Uh, and then most other characters are fine, but then once it gets to the end and it kind of does something with, uh, Ellen Page's character, the, uh, Ellen Page's character. Yeah. They do something with her character and then uh, they start trying to wrap up the story a little bit towards the end. And I don't know. It was, I, I don't think it was as good there. Like it's fine. It's not bad, but I just didn't think it was super good. And I, I, felt, I often felt like she felt out of place in the show as well. It's not that she's bad. I was trying to pinpoint it as I was watching the final episode last night. It's not that she's bad per se. She just doesn't seem to fit or meld with the other actors and actresses involved but in the isn't show. Isn't that the point? She's I, the yeah, I was outsider. about to say, I was, this is exactly the, the thing I was thinking last night. I'm like, as soon as I had that thought process, I'm like, well, that's kind of the point, I guess, because she is an outcast within the family. But at the same time, she just seems so off in this series. She just doesn't seem to fit within it. Is it, and I found I I I don't know I I, I know. didn't love her in this show to be know. honest I felt like yeah. she was the worst part of the show. That's fair. It's been getting mixed reactions, so but I think it's really good. Uh, More class next season. That's all. Yeah, it it ends on a note where I'm like, what are they doing next season? Yeah, that's a whole different conversation that I've thought about. Have they said More they're class. doing it next season? Not yet, but I'm sure the they cliffhanger. Will. There's a cliffhanger, so they'll have yeah. <laughs> if they don't, if they cancel it 
I'm sure there'll be massive outcry. Although you Class can just go off. read the comics. <laughs> Is the comics finished? By the way, I haven't even. Googled no, they're up shit. to. They're doing their like. Th- I think they're doing like a third run. They're like mini series. So okay. Have yeah. you either of you read the comic? I no, did read. Never the, heard of it. I did read the original run back ages ago. But yeah. is it faithful to it? Not overly, but some of that is uh, production issues. Uh, like in the comics, uh, number one uh, is actually in a monkey body, a giant gorilla oh, right. body. So not really feasible. Although they do uh, do have something. Have you seen the Flash? Gorilla That's Grog. true. That's true. But if CW can do it. Netflix can. Not for ten episodes. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, we'll get to that, but there was a good episode of The Flash the other week. I doubt it. Gorilla Grodd versus King Shark. How does that not get <laughs> excited? <laughs> uh, Nick, you watched the first couple of episodes of Afterlife, a yes. show that I've watched all of, so what, oh, how you are you feeling about it? Yeah. It's only oh, six episodes, so. Meh, to be honest. Mm. it's It feels like Ricky Gervais has created a show... And just written characters to allow him to live out his Twitter persona in a show. Like he, they deal with the like the mental illness, suicide stuff. I think they deal with the, deal with that in completely the wrong way and so nonchalant, non serious. At least from what I've seen of it so far. But every situation seems to be set up for Ricky Gervais to get, just go, "Oh fuck me!" And everyone around him is stupid and like. Just a way to him to be disparaging to everybody, which I don't think works in this day and age for me. I I, I used to love Ricky Gervais. I, at one stage, so I would have I. said that he was my favorite stand-up comedian, and I was a big fan of a lot of the movies he was doing and uh, a lot of the TV series he was doing uh, up until a certain point. But it's so funny. This series comes out, and I could not give less fucks, I think, which is compared to... I don't know, t- 10 years ago, whatever, like five years ago, maybe even, I would have been like, fuck yeah. And I would have binged it all on the, f- the first night I dropped. But now I'm just like, I don't know. I just, it's just the same old shit, Ricky. Like, I just know it's the same yeah. old shit. It, it seems like a, in a way, a masturbatory um, creation for himself. Ooh. Well, there's that quote going around on Twitter. I saw a lot of people just being like, where he's like saying something about, oh, just because you're offended, all this sort of stuff in, in an interview about the show. A lot of people like quitting where like, no one even mentioned that, Ricky. No one was even saying that. Like, I know you like to whip out, oh, if you're offended every hot second you can, but like someone was asking about the TV show and it's straight to that. So it, without watching the show, from what I can gather, it does seem like there's, I saw people pulling lines from the show and stuff where it seems like he's having a go and like trying to push that message again of oh, just because you're offended doesn't mean blah 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 so yeah like I don't feel motivated to watch the rest of it I enjoyed it I think there's I, I think there's it's a interesting mix because there is some heart in that you feel like obviously the premise is his wife has died and he's uh, sort of angry at the world and is pretty much of the opinion that he can say and do whatever he wants because if People don't like it. He can always go kill himself. And he's sort of blasé about it, which is an interesting way to go about it, uh, which I'm sure doesn't work. And is I don't know how realistic it is. Um, uh, I feel a couple of the episodes towards the middle, it sort of gets into a pattern. Like you expect certain scenes 
each time. Like, there's obviously the scenes where he goes, sees his dad, played by David Bradley, and he talks yep. to the nurse, played by Ashley Jensen. Uh, and those happen regularly. He goes and, and walks his dog a bunch of times. Yep. Uh, interviews someone for the paper. Yeah, interviews somebody it's- for the paper and uh, talks to this uh, widow lady, played by Dame Penelope Wilton, who I can't remember who I- what I've seen her from, but I think... It's a shame there's not a resource that you can look up to see what actors have yeah, been I know. in before. Yeah, I know. Sure, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure she was in Doctor Who. But anyway. Likely. Yeah. Yeah, she's British, so she's probably in Doctor Who. If he's Who. British, he's been on Doctor Who. <laughs> but yeah, I-, I think some of the lines are funny and that sort of stuff. Um, there is a- something he does towards the end of the se- well, mid-season that is pretty terrible that I don't think he can come back from, but nobody sort of addresses it. Or he doesn't, there's no sort of uh, effects from that. Yet he does this other thing involving a kid that isn't nearly as bad. And yet that's the point that he changes everything. But yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought there was some good heartfelt moments. Every He's it- constantly going back and watching videos of his wife. Like she records a goodbye video. And that's sort of a through line for the whole entire season. Um, yeah. I believe he's a believable, sad, depressing person. I think it's kind of sweet that he's this... He loved her so much that now that she's gone, he's sort of... Is the episode, episode three, that you think where he does something really bad? I think so. I believe I've read ahead and I think I know what you're referring to. Because I've read the synopsis and I'm like, oh, is this really the joke we're going to do? I'm just predicting what the the big joke is. Because episode three synopsis is, Tony hires a sex worker, but it's not what you think. A trip to the comedy club turns awkward. No. Dun, dun, dun. I was like, are we really going for that joke? What joke do you think it is? <laughs> no, it's, it, it's, it, is it to do with the um, paper delivery dude? Yep. Yeah. What episode is that? Maybe four, four. yeah. Hmm. Well, we don't want to spoil it for people. Yeah, don't either. want to spoil it. I think it's worth watching. It's obviously, it's like six episodes. Yeah, I mean, episodes. it's short. If it's you, like if you want three to hours. Punch it, you can. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. He says your favorite word a lot, so. <laughs> Yeah, well, just because yeah. he says a favourite word doesn't right. mean... Yeah, he's... okay. I enjoyed his last series, and I looked up what year that was. Derek. Like, it's been a while. Yeah, so I really liked Derek. I thought Derek was good. That was he liked animals. Cool. That was fun. That was heartwarming. Uh, so I also watched Isn't It Romantic? Sorry to interrupt. She was uh, Sean's mother in Shaun of the Dead. Yes. She was. And Harriet yeah. Jones in Doctor Who. Yes. There you go. Sorry Thanks, to interrupt. Nick. That's all right. Uh, so I also watched Isn't It Romantic, uh, the new Rebel Wilson film starting Adam Driver as well. No, Adam Devine. <laughs> totally different. Uh, <laughs> pretty much he's like an architect who's like sort of like mistreated and that sort of thing. And then she bumps her head and she's in a romantic comedy. And it's sort of a play up of a romantic comedy. And, the you know, it's pretty funny. Liam Hemsworth plays... <laughs> ridiculously over the top Australian loved up guy I thought it was really good uh yeah it's a fun Netflix romantic comedy uh I think they poke some good fun at like the tropes and that sort of thing so yeah they I play watched with the trailer the, they play with the idea a fair bit so yeah I watched the trailer and I put it in the I'll watch this while I'm like doing something on my laptop yeah probably at some that's, point that's probably the best pile. thing to do yeah but yeah pretty solid uh, let's move into some news. And Sorry, but before you go on, there's a movie I want to watch that you didn't bring up. It's called The Void. 
It's a 2016 kind of like B grade horror movie. I mean, it it's definitely in that B grade tier, but I think it does interesting things with the story that I think makes it worth a watch. Like it's kind of a mix between Cronenberg and maybe uh, John Carpenter, and with like and like the animatronics and makeup and all that kind of stuff is really good and. It uh, tells a very Lovecraftian type story with like the abyss and beyond the known and trying to cope with all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's I think it's definitely worth a watch if you're into if you're in the mood for that sort of thing. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think I gave it a six, but it's I still think it's really worth a watch. Cool. Uh, sorry for missing that on your no, no, that's track. All right. It was right in front of me and I missed it. Uh, no, no, anyway. don't apologize, it's fine. <laughs> Moving into the news, ladies and gentlemen, Suicide Squad has been saved. As long as well as James Gunn directing, we now have Idris Elba playing the role of Deadshot after Will Smith walked away from the role uh, due to scheduling conflicts, apparently. Or just, I don't know how true that is. Maybe he just didn't want to do it again. But yeah. Idris Elba going to be playing Deadshot in the upcoming, upcoming The Suicide Squad, uh, which apparently is going to be based more on the 80s run of the comics, uh, written by... Uh, written by... While, while you're looking that up, I've come to realise that Idris Elba isn't afraid to do really, really bad movies. <laughs> what? Dark Tower? Dark Tower, and there's a few other movies that I've seen him in that, he wasn't partic- that weren't particularly great. I mean, he just seems to take any job that comes along his table. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, it feels like it because he's always working, and not all of it's great. I yeah, guess I didn't see Pacific Rim. He was the, he was in the first one, right? He was, yeah, yeah. And no one knew that was going to be bad at the time. I thought that was a good movie, solid, <laughs> solid movie. Uh, I'm looking yeah. down this thing now, and I was, I'm like, oh, it was in Pacific Rim too, as well. Oh, it's probably a flashback or something like that. Unless it's a spoiler to say he's in it. <laughs> Come look at the I'm, I'm pretty sure his son's supposed to be in it. Or something like that. Zootopia, Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, Star Trek Beyond's Trek good, Beyond though. It's good. <laughs> it's did, good. Did you watch it, Nick? Hobbs and Shaw. That's yeah, going to be great. to be determined. Have you Prometheus. seen that review trailer discussion of that? <laughs> Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. Yeah, that was a movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> rock and Roller, Prom Night. That's a, rock and Roller is a m- amazing movie. Fucking get out of here. 28 Weeks Later. Yeah, that's a okay movie. Yeah, yeah, you're reinforcing my point. He was in Luther? <laughs> I'm not saying he, he doesn't do good. good I'm not saying he doesn't do Did good things. Did you mention the good stuff? <laughs> no, I'm reinforcing my he point was in if he doesn't Beasts do- of No Nation? I didn't say he... Episode, your point is actor happens to do bad movies as well as good ones and the answer is oh my god who the fucking thought (laughs) (laughs) they Uh, do that they're allowed to do bad and good ones well nobody knows if they're doing gonna do a bad movie until they've done it i think sometimes they know (laughs) (laughs) well mm, depends on how much money it is but yeah apparently this is going to be based on the john astrander kim yale run from the 80s uh are you excited? Does this change your mind on what the Suicide Squad could be? Uh, I, I'm willing to give the Suicide Squad movie another chance because I, it's a, 
it could be a fun team. We've got James Gunn involved now. Like, obviously, he's managed to pull te- teams, these team movies together before. Uh, so, I mean, the potential's there with the characters in the comic books, in the uh, origin material. It's just, obviously, they fucked it up. Well, I think they fucked it up horribly the first time. I, I think the original Suicide Squad movie is very, very bad. Uh, Margot Robbie, I didn't love her as Harley, but at the same time, I could see her playing a good Harley. Like, I'm like, it's there. You just did it wrong. So even with her, I'm like, Dragon Making, Idris Elba as Deadshot. Sure, I can see that. Like, it's just Shere Khan or whatever going around as with a gun and shooting people. That sounds fun. I'll yeah. go for it. So I'm open to it. I And I'm fine with him being cast as Deadshot. If anything, it probably excites me a little bit more for the movie. Because I like Deadshot. An integral character to the Suicide Squad? Like, could they have done a version yeah. without Deadshot? Uh, he's, he's usually pretty, the leader. Yeah. And when he's involved, he's the leader of the team, so... He's a constant within the Suicide Squad. Yeah. I mean, is is Idris Elba an upgrade from Will Smith, in your opinion? In yes. In quality of actor, yes. Lately. He says after he points out all the bad movies he does. Hey, I'm not saying he's a bad actor. I'm just saying he's done a lot of bad movies. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's also a rumored list of the other characters who are going to be in the film. Uh, a lot looks like you're pretty much culling pretty much anybody who was in the first film. Uh, Margot Robbie seems to be the only one they're trying to get back, but uh, she no might. No, Jai not. Courtney? No, not in the list I'm seeing. The only person I'm seeing is uh, Rick Flagg, played by Joel Kinnaman, the, the military dude. Might be back. But, Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the four characters they're looking at bringing back or bringing to the Suicide Squad. King Shark, a humanoid shark. So that will be the killer croc of this film, I guess. Polka Dot Man, a character usually called Mr. Polka Dot in the comics. His real name is Albert, Albert Abner Krill, and he wears a bizarre costume covered in spots, the point of which soon becomes apparent once removed from the costume. The spots, the spots can be used for a variety purpose of reasons. For a variety of purposes, creating deadly weapons and bizarre escape vehicle. Okay. Sounds like something James Gunn would do. I was about to say, you got to take into account James Gunn's probably going for more wacky and unknown characters like he did originally, so. Yeah. Uh, peacemaker, real name Christopher Smith. He's a peace agent whose motives are driven by an extremist form of pacifism, which makes him love peace so much he would kill for it. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> And Ratcatcher, a.k.a. Otis Flanagan. In the comics, the character is male, but Collider says Ratcatcher will be gender-swapped and played by a woman, a former exterminator. Ratcatcher can control rats. Shocker. Do they not know how integral the gender of Ratcatcher is to the, the character? <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know any of these characters. <laughs> no, yeah. Obviously, yeah, they're, they're dragging are, the bottom of the barrel there. We're clearly deep in the Suicide Squad canon, which we aren't huge into i think what they've done is that they've tried to do all these different characters but dc have gone oh no we have plans for them and something else or something like that at least that's no, i reckon james Gunn literally went looking for obscure characters the most obscure people possible the most yeah. wacky yeah yeah he's like he's like i did i turned a talking raccoon and a fucking tree into stars i L- could do listen anything here. give me fucking poker dog man all right all right dc give me poker dog man you see what i did to a raccoon i'll see what you do with this character Gotcha, uh, previews all wrong. Also, rumor is that Jam Gunn wants uh, Dave Batista to play Peacemaker. 
we'll fuck see. it you know it'll happen and then it'll be the biggest uproar of the year and it'll be amazing <laughs> yeah well it depends if he starts, survives the snap or not i guess yeah, well i think all of a sudden he may not survive the snap in the director's cut of endgame you <laughs> <laughs> mean the the new cut yeah yeah uh so we got more, a little bit more information about the upcoming Lord of the Rings series being made by Amazon. Most important fact is it is being set in the second age of Middle-earth, which means before the events of Lord of the Rings. Uh, pretty much well what, before. what people are theorizing it will be focused on the war against Sauron and sort of his rise and the creation of the rings of man or whatever the I can't remember. The Rings so, of Power. To boil rings it down for people who only watch the movies, it's not what you've seen in the Hobbit movies, and it's not what you've seen in the Lord it, of the Rings. It's everything but. to do everything pre- but. that the first scene of the very first Lord of the Rings and previous to that in the story. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because I keep seeing the, all these articles where I like, it's gonna be about the second age. I'm like What does that even mean? What does that mean? Like, but, but when you just say it's everything it, it doesn't take place in the main movies and it doesn't take place in the hobbit movies it takes place between those uh timelines the last alliance of elves and men yes i mean does it really count as the lord of the rings if it's not in the the, using the proper books i think this is smart personally because i think yeah i know it's smart it's just poor misleading i think yeah i i think no matter how good the series would have been the Lord of the Rings, the three movies are the Lord of the Rings, but everything encompassing is part of the Lord of the Rings universe. Middle-earth. That's what it's collectively term. known as. Agree to disagree. <laughs> I, I just feel like if they'd done the actual Lord of the Rings books, like the 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 original trilogy, right? So Fellowship, Fruit to Return of the King. Yep. I don't know why I said through and I could have just said two towels as well. It's fine. But if they'd done all three of those and turned that into a TV show, it could have been an amazing TV show. But because of how high standard a lot of people hold those movies, no matter what, people wouldn't have been happy or it would never have lived up to it or et cetera, et cetera. So I think doing it in a different story or different age as they've done here is, is the, the smart and right thing to do if you want the series to be a success. Yeah. Yeah. It gives them a lot more room to play with and sort of, are we going to get young, sexy Sauron? Who knows? You know, like... Oh, young... please. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting young, sexy uh, Ted Bundy later, so why not? Fuck off. <laughs> um, so during this past fortnight, a story came out that Oscar Isaac wants to be a solid snake in Metal Gear Solid. Um, yep. He can want all he wants. It's probably never going to happen. <laughs> well, um, yeah. During an interview with IGN for his upcoming film Triple Frontier, they asked if the cast if they wanted to be in any video game movie, and Oscar Isaac is quoted as saying, "Metal Gear Solid, that's the one. I'm yeah, I'm throwing my hat in for that one." Uh, and apparently, sometime last year, director of the the upcoming director of Metal Gear Solid, jo- Jordan. Voight Roberts contact got in contact with the famous uh, artist, I guess, uh, Boss Logic, to mock up a like a poster of Oscar Isaacs in that in as Solid Snake, uh, and pretty much said that he's his first choice for that film. So he wants Oscar Isaacs to play Solid Snake. 
I'm not a big Metal Metal Gear Solid fan or at all. So I don't have too much of an opinion other than Oscar Isaacs is pretty great in pretty much everything. Uh, Do you think he'd be a good fit? To me, it seems like it's a question to be put on the spot and he goes, oh, fuck, what's a video game I know? Uh, Metal Gear Solid. But yeah. yeah. It seems like Metal Gear is not that big enough that I I don't feel like you could just pull that out of No, but game. it's also something you might have played as a kid, so. Maybe. Um, I'd be okay with him. I could see it, personally. I could I'll see watch it. you watch it anyway. Judgment. <laughs> not necessarily. I, I could see him as Snake. I, I, I could see it. He's, I feel like once you gruff him up a little bit and obviously, uh, you know, make him a little bit older, a little bit like he's seen the walls a bit more or something like that, I guess, then, yeah, I, I could see it. Stick the eye patch on if, depending on what version of Snake we're going here, with, that's where it gets confusing. It's like, what are we talking about? We're talking about Solid Snake? All right, stick the eye patch on, go for gold, sure. I mean, uh, Big Boss, stick the eye patch on. Don't stick it on. Do what you need to do. I mean, your schedule's about to free up, so. But is it? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move into this ongoing debate that's been happening this past fortnight. Uh, apparently, Steven Spielberg was at war with Netflix about the Netflix films being eligible for Oscars. So that whole thing. Uh, if you listen to this week's Dash Culture, our own Dylan Blight was on that, talking to Buddy Watson about it. Uh, but apparently it was all a huge misunderstanding and that Steven Spielberg wasn't going to go to the Academy and petition to get the rules changed. So it was all a kerfuffle over nothing, which I find highly amusing. Uh, but I think we've talked about this before, but do you think Netflix films should be eligible? I'm of the opinion that they're television, so they should be up for the Emmys. And I think they should be up for the Oscars. And then why even have I'm a TV movie in your category wrong. then? Oh my God. You know what a TV movie is? It's a HBO movie. But then why do all the Netflix TV shows get to be classified as TV shows? They should be up for streamies then. No. Yeah, the they're TV- on the web. They're not on the web. They're on my TV. No, but they're broadcast on the web first. They're not shown on cable or free-to-air television. I don't know why you're the host of this show. Like, I should just fight you, to be <laughs> honest. Honestly, I'm just, just poking. I don't I don't <laughs> mind them being in the Emmys. I don't have too much of a thing about them being in the Oscars, but I think uh, it, clearly they just need to be all on the same playing field. I Everyone, think I think it should come down to the level of production. Obviously, it, when, when you, everybody would mo- love for the best movies to be up for the Oscars every year. That's, that's the dream, no matter where they come from, right? Unlike this past year where certain movies were up for Oscars and one that weren't possibly the best movies of the year. Yes, I just want the best stuff nominated. But these categories and designs of which were all designed around a certain period in time and now movies and TV shows are released differently and everyone's trying to stick the new release module into the old awards module and categories and stuff and they're going oh but it doesn't fit correctly it's like well fucking just figure it out and change the, the way you describe the categories and and things like that don't try and like the ways are changing that netflix isn't going away streaming movies isn't going away uh no one's trying to get rid of cinema either obviously people still enjoy going to the cinema but they 
times change. Stop just fucking adjust the categories accordingly to the way people watch movies these days. And movies Bob are Dylan put once out. wrote a song called "The Times They Are the Changing," and it has Oscars a great, have not heard that. And yeah, it has a great music video too, which would be nominated for an MTV Music Award for sure. No, streaming. So, yeah, streaming. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, look, it's it, all right. Let's boil it down. Netflix movies are released with just, uh, distribution companies, uh, producers behind them. Like it ticks all the boxes of a normal movie. And if you want to say, well, it's the same as like, so YouTuber, it's not. A YouTuber just uploads something to fucking YouTube. You know, there's a big difference. It's like, it, what, what boxes need to be ticked for a movie to be eligible? And if that's Nick's why saying, I think it like, should come down to level of production. Yeah, but then when you put that as, but, but it's like, what boxes are we ticking there? We're just ticking money spent because then Paranormal Activity wouldn't be able to get nominated. I That's what I'm saying. Like, as long as a movie has producers and a, some sort of company behind it, I guess, or, or anything, you know, some some ticking of those boxes, then it's eligible. It's 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 a, it's a produced thing. It's not just a random fucking internet video. There's the, there's a clear line in my mind. There's, there's people behind stuff and then there's people not behind stuff. Also, some of these films. Netflix movies have like fucking millions of dollars spent on them and people are like, these aren't real movies where it had more money spent on it than insert of a movie. It's interesting. I know. I feel like especially the movies that are funded by Netflix initially rather than stuff they've picked up after they've been at festivals and that sort of thing, it's a bit harder to say that like, Obviously, that's Roma, because Roma wouldn't have been made without Netflix. So, mm. I mean... Yeah, so stick all these Netflix movies. That's why I'm okay with, and I think they, the ruling should just be that they need at least one screening in a cinema. I'm fine with that. Just one? In any just cinema? One. Fuck it. Yeah, why not? Was Roma shown in a cinema? Yeah, yeah, they had like a limited release at a bunch of yeah. cinemas. Clearly, one cinema is ridiculous. Well, then what's the number? I don't know. 10, 5, 20, well, cl- I think the current thing is in limited release in Los Angeles and New York. So critics can see it is pretty much. Okay, release it rules. in one cinema in one night in Los Angeles. Tick the box and we're good. Right? Why does it have to be New York or Las Vegas? Why, because it's Why can't they watch it? So they can watch it on Netflix. One cinema in Tasmania. One night only. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I don't know how on board people will be with that one. Uh, I don't know. You'll be on board when everyone's Do moving you, here. I, I feel like the Academy is definitely going to be making... Even though Spielberg is not going to be pushing, they're gonna. it's going to be a point of discussion when the governors meet. No, it's a point just of, bur- they're just going to fucking bury their head in the sand. Like, oh, it's, wait, a, it's a point of discussion constantly. It was a point of discussion months ago. It was a point of discussion just when the Oscars were on. It's a continuous point of discussion, and I'm kind of sick of it being a point of discussion. If we get around to 2019 Oscars and we're still fucking talking about this shit, I'm going to be very annoyed because I'll be like, holy shit, did we just go for a whole year and we're wrapping back around and now you are all sitting around with your dick in your hands going, oh, maybe this movie shouldn't be nominated because Martin Scorsese's The Irish Man was a Netflix film. Fuck off, best picture, call it now. Get out of my town. Look at it in our point of view. It's easy content for us. Yeah. I suppose. Already talked about this twice. <laughs> we can talk about it again. I mean, endless as long as well they don't double from. dip, as long as they don't double dip is the only thing, you know, you either, all your movies are eligible for Oscars or 
All your movies are eligible for Emmys. Don't pick and choose. You, yeah, you need a ruling. I don't want this cherry picking shit of which yeah. is and which isn't. Oh, Roma's eligible because it's actually got a director involved who we respect. And all these other ones, like those comedies by um, Adam Levine, they're not eligible because Adam, Adam Levine, Levine did them. Whatever his name is, I don't know. You know that guy from Zach and uh, the, what's that name? Zach and Mary need that. Adam Devine. Adam Devine. Adam, Al- Levine, Adam Levine Adam is Devine. from Maroon 5. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's a fuckhead too. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, sad news. Uh, Arrow, the long-standing CW superhero show, is coming to an end in an abbreviated eighth season. Uh, they're only going to be doing 10 episodes next season. Uh, obviously, I'm the only one who really cares about this news story, but uh, I think I think it's a fitting end. It sort of felt like it's sort of running its course. Um, to be honest, I'm of- genuinely surprised it got this far. No, I'm not saying that no, disparagingly, yeah. but on paper, it does not feel like a show that even warranted this much run, this much of a run. It's hard. Well, you never know with the, any show. No, no. But like I said, on paper, it is just. I think it's defied expectations. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. Uh, probably I most stopped in- watching it seasons ago, so... Yeah. Uh, they, they have been doing this future storyline. Uh, spoilers. Instead of doing flashbacks this season. So I guess that'll be sort of tied up. Uh, the most interesting thing to me is whether the those 10 episodes will include the big crossover that they've got planned for next season, um, which is going to be adapting the Crisis of Infinite Earths storyline from the comics, uh, or whether... Possibly. I think the smartest thing they could do is just make those separate to everything else rather than having a technical crossover. But yeah. Is this also kind of a beginning of the end for all those kind of shows in a way at all? I don't think so. Obviously, Batwoman is set to launch next year. But was Arrow the most successful of the lot? No, Flash. Yeah, I'd say Flash was probably the most popular but that had Flash a bit more has been the most pop- That was more Flash super heroic. Flash for a while. Yeah. I reckon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it ends. Clearly, uh, spoilers for the most recent crossover, but it seems like Oliver Queen is going to die at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths because he was seen making a deal with the Monitor. So, words that some people might understand. Uh, Interesting thing I've seen on the internet, obviously people writing their eulogies to Arrow. Uh, A lot of people crediting it as the TV series that started the superhero TV boom. Uh, But then a lot of people have been pretty critical of that and saying Smallville is the the one that kicked it off. Do you guys have an opinion on which way, which one was more responsible? I don't know. How long after Smallville ended? End before one season. Arrow begin. It was initially it was meant to be a spin-off of Smallville with the ca- the actor who right, played okay. Green Arrow in if, that. If that's the case, then yeah, I'd say Smallville. I would disagree. I think Arrow sort of obviously kicked off that connected universe thing, and Smallville was always going to be successful. It's a freaking Superman TV show. Uh, <laughs> believe Superman it or not. and successful don't really go well together. In I don't know how you could be wrong about so much in one episode, Ash. What? <laughs> <laughs> the first season of Smallville was a huge hit 
because it was Superman. Obviously, only a couple, like a few years after that Lois and Clark series, that was a big. I don't think. Yeah, and you're, I, I don't think it's because it was Superman because I think it was. I think um, Arrow like because else. it was a lower tier superhero, not one of the big three. Obviously, set the path for. But do you have Arrow tell, without so, Smallville. We, we can tell stories with lower level superheroes and people. You don't have it. Arrow without Smallville. I think you could have. That's the question. But Wh- I which think, show do, started? Could you have gotten all these other superhero shows? Flash, uh, Marvel's Agents of Shield, uh, Runaways, uh, The Gifted, all these other different TV superhero shows without Arrow. I don't think well, so. It, it depends what you the argument. Are you trying to make that um, Smallville made superhero shows successful, or that whether Smallville or Arrow created the connected universe type of thing in the TV form? I don't think. I think they're both. Well, what's the argument you're trying to make? I think that it's both. No, I would say that Smallville kicked it off because they wouldn't have had Arrow. They wouldn't have even thought to do Arrow without Smallville, but without Arrow, they would not have done the connected universe thing. So you're trying to make two different arguments here. There is only one universe that's super connected, and it's this DC one. I, I Clearly, that's a win for Arrow because Smallville had barely anything to do with that. I think yeah, the boom that, in like superhero saying, that- television shows is clearly a result of Arrow's success. That's a different argument, though. I think it's the exact same argument, and we are moving on <laughs> with being no, we're not because you're trying to say that we wouldn't have all, we wouldn't have the Flash and all these other TV shows without Arrow. To which I say you're correct. We wouldn't have those shows without Arrow. Thank you. Moving but on. We wouldn't have Arrow without Smallville. So the answer to your question is Smallville is the more important show. Agreed. Can't disagree. have your chicken without <laughs> your egg. You fucking omelette cooking <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> 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 and then where the chicken somebody save me ash sings as he moves oh, on the man. segments <laughs> oh i never i don't think i ever talked about the crossover from this past season they cut to supergirl's world and they've obviously got their superman but then yeah, they the play that song where they're crossing over yeah it's pretty good baby uh so in giant robot movie news uh, apparently, Brian K. Vaughan, writer of Why the Last Man, Saga, and Paper Girls, is writing the script for Legendary's Gundam live-action movie. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, I think it's pretty cool. I- I've- Brian K. Vaughan has a pretty good track history. Uh, I don't have much of attachment to Gundams, but they're everywhere. They're pretty cool looking, I guess. Nick, not a fan. No, not, not. I'm sure it's fine and it has its fans and they can love, but I just, I have never really been into Gundam itself. I think the design of all the mechas and stuff are so basic that I think, yeah, I don't know. I'm just not a big Gundam fan, so they can have it. Yeah, basic. Go and enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> basic mecha. Dylan? Yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan either. Every time I see a Gundam, I go, look at this cheap ass looking rip off Transformer looking shit. Get out of here. Yeah. I know. Pretty cool. Could be interesting. Legendary sort of need something. They haven't got much in their arsenal, I don't think. Or, no, wait. Are they doing... They might be doing the Godzilla King Kong stuff, but... They are. That's their connected universe. That's right. I don't know. One more thing. And we know giant robots can be done well. Bumblebee. Uh, when is King Kong and Godzilla actually crossing over? 2020, I believe, was the... Uh, yeah, I think they've just finished just filming to... the crossover. Yeah. The person that was filming it was the director... Yeah, they were filming it. The director is the person who did um, 
uh, Krampus and uh, that Halloween one with Anna Paquin as well. So I'm interested to see how that all turns out. Yeah. Trick or treat. Trick or treat. Uh, And our final news story for this episode, I have to cover it. The massive success of the Critical Role uh, animated special Kickstarter. Um, If you don't know, Critical Role is the weekly Twitch program where a bunch of voice actors play Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, I don't believe they do it on Twitch anymore. They do do it on Twitch. They, they, do? they do it on their oh, own no, channel. Oh, no, they got their own channel. That's they right. They yeah. just recently broke away from Geek and yeah. Sundry and not on there anymore, which Dylan predicted, I think, a while back on something. Yep. I can't remember what. Was it this? I have no idea, but I, all I know is I predicted it quite no, a No, it was during our top five discussions because they were one yeah, of our top right. five online content. Yeah, that's right. You regurgitated off camera. <laughs> yeah. Check out top five over at EsplosionDevil.com. Good content over there. Uh, but yet, they are currently sitting in Australian dollars at... $10,112,296 from 5,240, no, 52,421 backers, which is a insane number. Yeah, my That's brother is, F- uh, kickstarted a ridiculous amount of money to that. Really? Well, the Did average really? is 192 Australian dollars, so yeah, that's not shocking. Yeah. He What's he getting out exact- of it? I don't know. He really, really loves it. He like dedicates his Friday night to watching it, and he's just massively into it. Well, the initial goal was just over one million dollars Australian, and that got reached within the first couple of hours. Yeah. Um, obviously, that fan base is like probably Rabid. one of the most committed, um, willing to talk with their money fan bases in the internet. Yeah. Um. I. They shouldn't have been surprised, in my opinion. They've done other charity sort of things where all the critters of that community have donated huge amounts of money. So for them to provide something that they would actually want to see, which is an animated special, um, it was clearly going to easily make their goals. Uh, It's going to be... Initially, it was just going to be like an original tale set between stories in the canon uh but obviously now with all the extra money they've been getting they're going to be doing more of a series and sort of going to be adapting some of the storylines from the uh initial run their first campaign yeah yep can be pre their first campaign yeah so very excited uh still out of time recording 36 days to go so if you want to back that this number keeps moving up as well which is weird I remember seeing it the first day that the number kept like going up rapidly. It was insane. So I just pocketed it. <laughs> I think it's the most successful Kickstarter of all time now. Isn't I'm pretty. It would be pretty close, I imagine. Probably at least the most backed uh, entertainment or animated project by far. More than uh, Veronica Mars. Yeah. No. What? Veronica Mars. Maybe. I don't know how much the Veronica Mars kickstarted. I can look it up. Uh, All the money. I don't remember either. No. Veronica Mars Definitely fans not aren't that hardcore. There they are. Marshmallows, man. <laughs> what? What? Did you just make that up or is that actually... That's what, that's what the fan base is called. Marshmallows. Oh you got the goodness. critters. Why are you laughing? You're over here like saying critters like it's a real term. Oh, critters, critters. I bring up marshmallows yeah. and you're like, yeah, get out of here. Uh, so Veronica Mars Kickstarter accumulated 5.7 million uh, American dollars, whereas this is currently sitting at uh, 7.1 million American oh, dollars. Yeah. 
Take that marshmallow. marshmallows, go jump in the fire and roast. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Really cool. Excited to see it. Um, it's it's really nice to see their reactions as well. They're all very moved and stuff and sort of Yeah, they, they all seem very shock. genuinely humbled. Yeah. and They're yeah. all awesome people as well, so in general. Yeah, that we know of. We thought that Kevin we know Spacey of. was awesome too. I'm pretty yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident they're pretty good. Uh, did we? <laughs> uh yeah. Animation being doing by Titmouse, who would do big <laughs> I believe <laughs> yeah. they did they he did um Metalocalypse. Yeah, and uh they're doing Big Mouth at the moment and a bunch of other other animated things it so I think the Venture Brothers, yeah, the Venture Brothers as well, so good re- pretty good pedigree. So yeah, look towards seeing that sometime late this year, maybe. I don't don't know maybe. if we've got dates of when to expect stuff. Fuck that, yeah, they're still waiting my, for the my, Kickstarter my... to the end and they get the money. Yeah. I I've been involved in too many Kickstarters to rely on any sort of dates that they propose. Yeah. I kickstarted a backpack last month. Yeah? Have you got it yet? No, but the Kickstarter hasn't finished though. So, like, the, oh, okay. the date doesn't start until the campaign ends, you know? That's when you start yeah, the clock. backpack. What's so special about this backpack? It's going to have the Pokemon Go emblem on it and it's designed oh, so you God. can fit more battery packs in it and have the cords go through and, like, places to also. What the fuck are you on it? Why- fuck you, Nicholas. Fucking piece of shit. Check Pokemon out Go Arcade backpack. Couch where I'll be discussing this backpack. Or to play a game where all you do is constantly tap your screen. <gasps> it's not yeah. about tapping the screen, it's about making friends with the cuties. Jeez. Oh, uh, all right, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, Dylan, what did we end up watching this week? Young adult. Here's the deal. Buddy Slade and I are meant to be together, and I'm here to get him back. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's married with a kid on the way. No, kid's here. I'm cool with it. I mean, I've got baggage, too. I would keep all of this to yourself. I would I would find a therapist. <laughs> Walk out of the heart. That new baby of his is just darling. Have you seen it? Of course. Yes. The 2011 film, directed by Jason Reitman, written by Diablo Kobe, Cody, the uh, combination that brought us Juno, and in the future did Tully, which is coming to Netflix later this month. Uh, the description is, soon after a divorce, a fiction writer returns to her hometown in small town, Minnesota, uh, looking to rekindle a romance with her ex-boyfriend, who is now happily married and has a newborn daughter. Uh, Dylan, you saw this in the past, uh, so I'll ask Nick's opinion on the film. <laughs> the first thing that just occurred to me is that the title of the film has absolutely nothing to do with the fucking film whatsoever. Um, it's because she writes YA books. She's a young adult yeah. author. Uh, we can, I think it's You can read fits. into it. Yeah. You can anyway, read into it. It's a it. garbage movie. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> No redeeming. The, her character had no growth whatsoever. She's in the exact same place at the beginning as at the end, and yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't like it at all, whatsoever. Uh, Dylan, I imagine you have a different opinion. I enjoyed the movie. I think it's, I think it's a really good movie. I think the, the what Nick just said is the is pretty much what I've seen everyone who's wrote a, a negative review about it say because they get so attached to the character and the character is meant to be hated the character is a horrible person and she has no arc that's kind of the point <laughs> like <laughs> that is literally that is kind of the point it's like here is this trash human character and if this was your typical 
uh, Hollywood movie of the type. Obviously, the character would start out horrible. They'd get through it about halfway. They would suddenly realize they're a horrible person. They'd turn their life around. They'd come out the end. They'd fucking save the world. You know, like that. It, it's so tropey, kind of where this would movie would go. But this movie isn't tropey. This movie is more realistic because there are characters out there. Uh, well, characters there are real people out there who could go through not this exact scenario of like trying to get back with their ex uh, high school flame or whatever it was but people who will even though they get their ass handed to them go through horrible moments may have a moment of clarity where they're like fuck I'm a horrible person but then they'll go okay and just continue on being fucking horrible people like in real life when people realize they're horrible people they don't suddenly just change like they no, do they in keep most being movies. horrible people yeah for the most, Ari, mo- most I. part I.e. Donald Trump <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I I kind of enjoy the movie for its brutal characterization of this woman who, and they do so many things with her character that I find really interesting. And it's I I feel like also uh, some of the the only thing I didn't like about watching it now I'll say is some of the references are kind of dated, like the Twilight stuff and whatever else that feels a little bit out of place watching today that people may or may not understand. Uh, but overall, it's like she's this character that she dresses up and she puts it all on when she has to go out. But then, and, and she like plays out like her life is this amazing. And the, like, even at start where she's talking to her friend or whatever, it's like, Oh my God, I can't believe he's fucking stuck with her wife. Oh my God. Yeah. He has no life. Fucking that's terrible. And then it cuts to a scene of her living in a slob of apartment. There's fucking shit everywhere. She's just passed out drunk on the couch. And whenever you see her, she's constantly watching garbage reality TV, just regurgitating fucking Kim Kardashian shows and whatever else is on. And that that's also kind of important to the, the character they're trying to build. And then whenever she goes out where she's not going to be seen with uh, a man she may want to oppress, she's just in fucking Ugg boots and sweatpants and, and stuff. It's like zero effort into it. She does, she's just a garbage person who just puts on this persona and this fake uh, life whenever she needs to. But then behind the curtain is she's trash. She's, she's worse trash than the people she makes of for being trash is the, the funny thing about it. So I, that's the thing. Charlize Theron, I think, is amazing in this film because she plays that character so well as such a horrible character. And I enjoyed it probably more the second time watching it because I know that she's garbage from start to finish and I know the movie isn't going to end and she never gets better. So I just watch it and enjoy it for her being horrible. I laugh out loud several times in it. I think the, the key piece of this movie that makes it work and it wouldn't work without him is Patton Oswalt. Without him, this movie doesn't work at all. Because he's kind of this centering piece of uh, the only... I mean, he you don't know he's the, the good person in the movie, but he's like this center piece of every day. He seems like a good character and a uh, good person, and he's fun. And most of the scenes that those two have together are the kind of the best scenes of the movie where you get to see them play off one another. And he's like, you're a fucking, there's so many moments where he's like, just calls her. He's like, you're a fucking mental. Like you're such a bitch. You're a horrible person. And she'll just sit there and continue going on. But he hangs around for her and it's, it's fun. Uh, Patrick Wilson also really liked this movie. Uh, and then the, the wife, uh, Elizabeth Reza. She's also quite, uh, quite good. But yeah, I really enjoy it. I think it's just, it takes the story that you, it's like here's where you think the story is going to go and guess what motherfucker real life isn't like that she fucking sucks she's a bitch and she's always going to be a bitch because she's not going to change and some people sometimes life doesn't change and then yeah that's kind of where you can read into the whole thing about young adult it's like 
she's a YA author. She's also a 37, I think they say, yep. adult. But then at the same time, she basically acts like an 18-year-old consistently throughout the, the movie. So it's like, well, she's a young... She acts like a young adult. Don't. Yeah. So it's like a double entendre type thing happening there. Yep. I, I enjoyed that. I think it's a really good movie. Uh, I don't think I liked it as much as you. Uh, obviously, I had my... I I feel like I've heard buzz about this movie for ages. Maybe I was go a bit overhyped. I didn't know what to expect and wasn't expecting this. Uh, obviously, yeah. I think I would have liked her to have a bit more of an arc, but it's cool that she mm. doesn't because not everybody forever has an arc. Um, I think Pat Oswalt is great in this. Um, I think uh, he's really sympathetic and is a good foil for Charlie Saron and sort of calls her out on her shit at certain times. Uh just was awkward at points as well when it was nope. meant to be awkward the worst freaking, scene is that baby shower oh, the baby shower mm. fucking yeah. hell that's cringy oh. that's horrible but it's meant to be so it, it yeah. works obviously it's super hard to watch yeah and just stick yeah. bo- you got yeah I can appreciate that the realism and stuff like that but I just think her character in itself wasn't particularly interesting or interesting enough to hold up a whole movie like I think for me, it was just like the same situation over and over and over again, which I think got just dragged it on for me and just, I just didn't really get as much out of it as Dylan seems to have. Yeah, that's fair. I, was, I was just looking she, over some reviews here quickly on IMDb and I think some of like the pull quotes I can see kind of sum up some things I, I think because the movie did get some bad reviews and most of the user reviews are terrible because a lot of people don't like it, but the critics like this movie a lot more than the general user reviews. But I like this one here from uh, Roger... Roger Ebert would have been one of his last reviews, yeah. I guess, RIP. But his review, 88, says, Pat Oswalt is, in a way, the key to the film's success. Theron is flawless at playing a cringe-inducing monster and Wilson touching as a nice guy who ha- a nice guy who hates to offend her. But the audience needs a point of entry, a character we can identify with, and Oswalt's Matt is human, realistic, sardonic, psychotic, and self-deprecating. He speaks truth to Mavis. And that's kind of, I think, the point I was trying to say before. It's like, he is the, he is the audience. He's like, I'm here for the ride. And he's also being like, you're fucking crazy, bitch. But I want to see what happens. Like, <laughs> you know, like... But he's not uh, a great character either, because didn't he... I got the impression that he took advantage of her when she was fucking down as well. Yeah. Spoilers, a little bit. <laughs> we'll just jump into spoilers. Uh, yeah, I I didn't really like that they ended up sleeping together at the end. And I, I don't think he took advantage of the situation. I think, clearly, that's why she showed up there. Uh, and it wasn't like I don't think she was in in any I, I in feel like she just showed up there because she had nowhere else to go. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny though because their relationship really, if you look at it in the movie, like if if this was following the normal Hollywood tropes, yep. and there was another movie here that literally like uh the variety, uh, which one I can't remember. Uh, yeah, it's like this variety review says, redeeming pop, uh, pop savvy, blah, 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 blah. Young adult revels in breaking the rules of safe, safe Hollywood storytelling, you know, which it does because it's the complete opposite mm. of whatever you think it's going to be. And if, if this was safe Hollywood storytelling, those two would have got together and yeah. she would have realized that he's uh, able to help her and then he would have made her a better person and la da da, they would, move, they would have got married and everyone lives happy ever after. That is the ending if this movie is your stereotypical story. And that movie probably would have got general user consensus scores of everyone be like, ah, oh, she comes out the end and that's 
because it's the thing like people want a happy ending with movies people don't like bad endings and this movie doesn't have a, a good ending it's not like it's the end of the world type thing but the movie just ends with and life goes on that's basically it and life goes on you know there's no big message or, or anything really to do with it and i don't think every movie needs to end with some big message about life or uh the character having some big uh change i suppose as you're saying like what's the point if the character doesn't have any uh if the character doesn't change then what's the point of the movie i guess is kind of your your, your point but i often find with some movies it's the do go of the saying it's more about the journey than the destination you know yeah but in saying that i don't think the journey was particularly that interesting i suppose like, you have to just like it, be it, able to there enjoy is, there will be blood that's it that didn't have a happy ending it like it just life goes on but it, it i think the journey itself was a lot more interesting than what this was trying to say i suppose yeah. it's funny you bring I mean, that not up a lot happens very... in this film to be honest yeah, it's funny because you say that there will be blood can be compared to this because they're both movies in which the lead characters are horrible people from the outset, yeah. kind of. You you know they're horrible, and by the end of it, they're still horrible. So similar in that sense, I guess. Yeah, which I don't know. Just for me, it didn't work. Just less bloody as well. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I mean, I can. I, it's one of these movies that whenever I hear that people don't like it, I understand because it is, I cannot, like, it, go, it rubs against the grain so hard for what movies are and should be, especially when it comes to this type of movie. I can completely understand why uh, people wouldn't like it, but I, I I, guess I just appreciate it for trying to do that and rub rub against the grain. Um, some other points. I thought it was weird that she, it was sort of brought up out of nowhere that she had a miscarriage and that's why that she and her, she and Buddy sort of went together. At this, uh, that's how sort of the key point of their breakup and sort of why she's sort of incredibly attached to him. It sort of comes up mm. out of nowhere. I would have possibly liked a couple more hints that they had more of a yeah something. I don't know. Yeah, but then just, I guess I don't. don't it just know felt like it, it, to be fair, that could be completely and it could be untrue. I yeah, guess. it could. Have, that's what I was saying. Like we don't know. It could have been. It could also be conceived as it was a lie she brought up in the moment to although she kind of did sway mean, everything in her favor. She did mention the parents, and I'm sure they would have uh, disagreed. But yeah, um, I think she was on the road to changing until she had that conversation with uh, Pat Oswalt's sister, and pretty much reinforcing her views on everything, hmm. which I found amusing in hindsight. Kinda, yeah. Well, which when they like, when they have that night, and when you wake up, you kind of that's the point in the movie where you kind of expect it to be like. She wakes up, she gets up, and then she's like, I'm going to throw out all this stuff that's ruined my life. I'm going to chuck this alcohol in the bin. You know, that type of scene happening. But said she's just like, morning, morning. How, do you know whatever the wife's name is? And as soon as that happens, it's like, oh, okay, here we go. And then it takes a turn and pretty much reinforces, yeah, you're a good person. Don't change. Yeah. Because, yeah, the sister's like, oh, she's horrible. She's a bad person. You're way better than, better than her. So, yeah. And uh, I also liked the YA sort of story writing thing throughout. I thought it was a fun, like, the voiceover thing. I thought it worked mm. and uh, brought up a bunch of funny jokes and that sort of thing, and I thought it worked well throughout the film. I think it also portrayed her character as that she's nothing original herself. She just steals all her ideas from things around her. I mean, that's... let's. I mean, I don't think there's any particularly... Most writers, of course... No, good know. writers don't read anything. That's also true, I've heard. But the uh, what she does where she's just... Like, she just hears people say stuff 
and then she like just puts it into her stories. Verbatim. So, yeah, verbatim, I guess. But it's it's not like copyright stealing or anything. You know, it's just you're hearing people say stuff. You hear a line, you bring it in. Yeah. That conversation was their intellectual property. Uh, yeah, maybe these days. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that wraps it up, unless you guys have anything else you want to add. No. No. Nope. I'm good. I'm looking forward to watching the 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 one that's out on Netflix this month, though. Tolly, yeah. It yeah. should be good. Uh, I was sad I didn't see it in cinemas, but yeah. Happy it's getting released on Netflix soon. Yep. Uh, that brings us to the end of this episode of What Do You Want to Watch? Uh, Nick, where can people find you on Twitter? And more importantly, on Tracked, the excellent uh, TV and movie tracking service. You can find me on Tracked at Lord and Pryor. You probably won't be able to find me on Twitter, and I'll let you know when I'm back on there. I mean, your account's still there. So. My account's there, but you'll just be, like, screaming into a void. Yeah. So feel free. Probably better that way. <laughs> Lord and Pryor. <laughs> uh, Dylan, where can people find you? All of the things. Viva la Dil, V-I-V-A-L-A-D-I-L. And you can find me at those places at Ashley Hobley, A-S-H-L-E-Y-H-O-B-L-E-Y. You can follow the Explosion Network, which this is a part of, over at Explosion Pod, Explosion Pod on Twitter. Uh, check us out on Twitch at twitch.tv slash explosion network find our review discussions and top five over at youtube.com slash explosion network and then find our reviews and all our other content over at explosionnetwork.com check out our discord which we're occasionally in talking about movies and stuff at explosionnetwork.com slash discord and if you want to send us an email you always can mail at explosionnetwork.com if you want to help us out leave us a review either on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser or just tell people that people don't change. And, but just the only change you help. should make is listen <laughs> to the Explosion Network. That was a stretch. Uh, all right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> and until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.